In ancient Rome, somebody who was an apostle, okay, I'll give you the illustration, you're sitting here so you get targeted. If he had an apostle that was an employee called an apostle, that apostle could file divorce and have him divorce his wife without him even being involved in it. True or false? It's true. It's true. There is one case where a man was an apostle and the man was on a trip and the wife of that man, who, that Roman man who was on a trip, his apostle filed suit and had a divorce completed. When the man got back, he said, I didn't want to divorce my wife, but it was legally done. The apostle had that much authority to speak on behalf of the individual. Which Jesus is speaking and sending out the apostles with great authority in that culture, they would understand that. Thinking of that culture, okay, let's follow it up. A disciple was someone who not only sought to learn his master's teachings, but at times they even sought to live like and look like the master. That's true. We've talked about that in some of the instances. And so we are talking in Matthew chapter 28, we are building on where we've been the last couple of weeks with the idea of making disciples. And we ended up last week, and some of you weren't here, so I'm just going to review very little, where he says, while you are going, make disciples. The make disciples is the command in the Matthew chapter 28, which we'll, we'll uh, be jumping into Second Timothy here in a moment. But in Matthew 28, where it says make disciples, we made a number of observations. Here's just a few. It was a command to all of his followers, something every one of us is supposed to be doing. We pointed out that those great commissions given weren't just to the twelve, but at other times to an expanded amount of disciples. We are not to passively wait for others to come to us seeking the truth. We are supposed to be taking it to them. We are to do whatever we can to help create imitators of Jesus Christ, that is as much as is humanly possible for that imitator, as well as much as humanly possible on our part. This involves committing to helping others throughout a lengthy process of growth. Because we don't just get somebody saved, we're supposed to help them to follow, make a proclamation of baptism, and then we're supposed to train them in all of the Word of God and all the teachings of the Word. So there's a lengthy process involved that might take years. We're to help them, as I just said, meet Christ, proclaim Christ, and then learn the entirety of His teachings. This should be a natural part of our Christianity, like producing like, which is a part of creation order, disciples producing disciples. This assumes that you, the disciple maker, are already following Christ, imitating Christ, and you want to duplicate that in somebody else's life. And as well, we're supposed to be doing that not just once in our life, getting one disciple and have them grow. We're supposed to be repeating this process time and time and time again. So one of our teens could be doing this with a classmate. They could be sharing the gospel, see them get saved, help them to uh, follow the Lord and be able to learn the word of God. And then when they go to college, that teenager might meet somebody else and might re redo that same process with a college classmate. Then when they get a little bit older, they get married, they meet somebody who... Um, who also has commonality with them, that somebody might be a young couple married, be able to disciple that young couple, lead them to the Lord, and then as time goes on, different phases, meet people that are in their realm, and then do this time and time and time again. It should be repeated generationally in our lives, as well as throughout this ministry. Now, we made these observations. This is what Jesus did. He started off with the twelve. He sent out the twelve to disciple others. They were to go everywhere to be doing this process. Chapter 2 through 
through 6 talks about how it was happening in the church of Jerusalem. Acts 11 talks about how they were getting the disciples in the church of Antioch and they were training them. They needed help. So they called for Paul and Barnabas to come and help instruct and teach them. Paul writes to the, to, uh, when he meets with some of the other groups. I think this is the group from Ephesus. So I may be wrong there. I kept back nothing that was profitable. Showed you everything. And so he repeated this time and time again while he was doing it with close friends and training them and helping them and discipling them. He was doing this on a bigger scope even within those church bodies that he was working with. Ananias and Sapphira, they did that with Apollos. They helped train him and then Paul picks up and continues some of that training. First and Second Thessalonians is a tremendous book about discipling, about helping to train individuals, where he talks about how we did this as a father, as we did this as a nursemaid, that we were so involved in your life and trying to help you to grow and grow and grow. So in the context of local church, which is the institution more than any other institution that's supposed to be leading this, guiding this, providing this, and giving the place for it, we have the illustrations of it happening time and time again. The problem, even as a couple of us were talking this morning, problem is somebody comes in, they sit in our service, and they need help. They're new to the Word of God. They need help trying to figure out where the books in the Bible are. I don't know if any of you remember those days where you first be exposed to the Word of God, you didn't have any clue where some of the books in the Bible are or what that meant by chapters and verses. That's a really simple thing, but not everybody knows that. And that can be intimidating when all of a sudden they come in church and we say, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15. They have no book idea where Ephesians is. You know, what's this 4, 11, etc. And so they may have questions. It's really hard to t- stop in a service and say, okay, let's explain... Let's explain how you find things in your Bible. And that's nice if we could do that. But if we did that every service, a number of you who are coming and saying, I'm older than the Lord, I understand that. Teach me something that is new for me. Otherwise, you're going to say we're rehearsing the same old, same old. And you're going to look and say, you know, I need something that feeds me. And I'm, grow- I'm already up here on this upper step. And you're talking all the time to people down here at the lower step. And so this setting becomes very, very difficult to try to speak to everybody's needs and questions. And so that personal contact, that personal smaller group type interaction is really, really critical and important to help some people in some of the basic areas. And so we stopped at 2 Timothy last week, chapter 2, verse 2. Paul is writing to Timothy. He's discipling. And he says these words. He says, And the things which you have heard of me among many witnesses, same commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. We made these observations that Paul, who is disciple Timothy, Paul is now, oh, by the way, let me back up. Did Paul need discipleship? Did he need somebody to disciple him? Who did it? Who was his primary discipler? It was Barnabas. Yeah, you're right. It was Barnabas. Now, Paul is replicating this and doing this in other people's lives. He's writing to Timothy, and he's saying to Timothy, you know, we need to be taught the things which you have heard. Those who, and remember, Timothy now is in a pastoral role at the church of Ephesus, and he says, you needed to be taught. That's part of discipling, teaching somebody. We need to be teaching others also. He makes the observations, we need to be teaching others well enough so that they can teach others. It's this duplication, this like-producing like, this natural growth that's something that is born should mature to its, its fullest in creation order, in organic form, even in spiritual areas. This inherently means there has to be some personal interaction to be able to help those individuals within the confines and settings of local church. How do we help them to grow and to learn? This requires entrusting others to teach. 
Paul had to not only say, I'm the apostle, I'm the teacher, and I'm one that is you know, gifted to going to the Gentiles, which he was in an abnormal, unusual way, but he said, I have to let others do the teaching. Timothy, you need to let others do some of the instruction. That I'm going to be real frank, okay? Uh, I think that's, a, that's a, a weakness here in our ministries. That what we need to do is we need to have you do more of the teaching, you do more of the instructing, and uh, follow more of what we'll get into in a few moments, Ephesians chapter 4. And so this involves long-term investments in lives, like Paul had long-term investment even now. As Timothy is teaching others, Paul is still interacting with him and helping him and guiding him and instructing him. And Timothy, you do that to somebody else, and that somebody else should do that to somebody else. So it inherently implies that we have to make some choices here. Where are we going to invest our time? Who are we going to invest time? Well, part of the key is invest time in people who are faithful, who are showing that they want to learn. There comes a time, and it shouldn't be quick, but there comes a time where we say, okay, we need to, if, if, if somebody... If somebody like you is trying to disciple somebody, they, they don't respond, they don't respond, they don't respond. You're going to pray about it, you're going to be focusing, you're not going to totally stop trying to impact, but after a while you're going to say, okay, I'm going to start investing some of my time and energy in, in another individual or somebody who comes along and that individual uh, says, I'm saved, but after a, a few months they want nothing to do with it, nothing to do with it, nothing to do with it. You make effort, you make effort, you make effort. Eventually you're going to have to say, I need to be focusing on soil that is going to be producing fruit. That's the goal, and that's very difficult, because contrary to what we often think, we often think that, okay, we, uh, we target this one individual, and we must never, never give up, and we pray for them, we pray for them. I'm not saying that we don't do that, but we have to be focusing on, uh, uh, on individuals who are wanting and willing to grow and grow and grow, and that investment will continue to pro- the process. There's a time where you say, hey, that, that's, that's stony soil. That's stony soil. You need to plant seed. It's not that I haven't tried, but I may have to make a decision in time that I'm going to uh, put some of my efforts elsewhere. And you might sit there and say, that sounds so heretical, and it does sound terrible on my part to say those things, because sometimes it takes people a long time. So you don't do it quickly, but at the same time you do it wisely, where you say, I need to be investing time in faithful people who are wanting to learn and wanting to grow. And I'm going to work there. That's going to be where I I'm praying, that's going to be my ultimate goal, even though I'm still going to be reaching out to some degree, and if that person responds, then I'll still invest in them. So what we have is Ephesians 4, and this is the passage we talked about in January. I want to revisit it. January was a time in our lives and in the ministry here amongst myself and some of the staff that we were talking about how we need to make some major adjustments to our ministry, because I feel, I felt, still feel, that we have some, some serious gaps in our ministry that needed to be addressed. And so, back in Ephesians chapter 4, if you would go there, we're down in verses 11 and following. He wrote these words, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Those are uh, leaders in the church that were given as gifts of the Holy Spirit to help out the body. He says these are the ones that are given, and we understand apostles aren't functioning today because they were uh, containing some of the supernatural gifts. And so we're talking about him primarily at the end of the passage that we know clearly is functioning today, pastors and teachers. And he gives the reason why they're there. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying the body of Christ, 
until we all come, or till we all come in the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect or mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we no more, that we henceforth no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But, speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for who, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, that is, we're energizing, we're helping, we're contributing, we're, we're filling in, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying itself in love. There is so much there. It is just so filled with uh, philosophy of how to do ministry. The church is a body. It's an organic thing. It's not just an organization. The body has natural organization of different parts. A body does. Your, your, your parts of your body, as he talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, your parts of our body are put in such a way that they function, and it's amazing. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's amazing how every part just works in, in order and in its, in its area, and some are the seeing, some parts are the hearing, some are the smelling, some are the pointing, some are the digesting, and so God God says in the same way the church body has multiple parts that are put in there and as they're put in there they're to be making contribution okay and it's natural for a body to grow to grow stronger to grow in size it's a natural thing it's a part of organic natural creation order there's growth process there's not the idea of okay we're we're just stagnating we're just we're we're dying on the on the on the um, vine that that's not what god intended he intended for for us to be growing expanding the gospel and sharing it growth in the church body in this type of setting, isn't, isn't dependent upon all the members, not just major parts that are the most obvious. Okay? The head or the arms or the eyes. If they're the only part contributing to your physical growth, your body is sick. Your body isn't going to grow and be healthy. In the same way, there's got to be a, a complete, there's got to be, um, I'm going to use universal, there's got to be all in, within the body, there's got to be contribution by everybody. A contribution to help for growth process. If only the clergy, only the pastors and teachers are making the proper, uh, helping growth to happen, the body is, is, not, is not healthy. It's just not healthy. There's got to be others in the body doing disciple making. There's got to be others in the body doing some of the evangelism and the training and the teaching. There's got to be more. And that's where I really, really, really struggle in my own life now in ministry to say, how do we engage you more to do teaching ministry, leading ministry, and helping to develop one another more and more and more? Each and every member is to be involved in this growth process. This involvement suggests active participation, not passive attendance. It's got to be, okay, we're, we're not just, this isn't growth by me just coming and me sitting here and gleaning, gleaning, gleaning. Let, let's take the illustration of a body. If a body is sitting dormant and that body is just taking in but not exercising itself, not, not any kind of development for growth, what happens to that person who is just sitting and taking in? Okay, the muscles will atrophy or atrophy, however the word is. The the weight is they're going to put on excess weight. Okay, and we're going to get flabby. 
can that happen to us as believers that we come and sit passively and say, lay it on me Sunday after Sunday and I'm just going to go and continue to do my own thing? Yes, we're all, we're all, we're all, all of us are tempted to do that. It's an easy passive Christianity. But that's not what the passage calls for. It calls for us to continue growing, all of us contributing to our body, our local church, and it's supposed to continue this process of growing and contributing until the day of Jesus Christ. The day of Jesus Christ has not yet happened. For us, the day of Jesus Christ will be the rapture. Since we're sitting here, then that means that all of us are supposed to be contributing to the growth of this body by helping, contributing, helping each other to grow. Now, how do we do that? How do we make that a more active process within our lives? Oh, by the way, when we're doing this, there are two major guidelines according to this text. The two major guidelines that we are speaking together as we're talking, as we're interacting, as we're, as we're trying to disciple and keep one another encouraged and accountable. What are the two primary guidelines given in this text? He says it. He says it. That we're supposed to be doing this, speaking the truth in what? Okay, he gives us the two. The two guides or the two barriers that we're supposed to be going is speaking truth. Truth is the Word of God. In order to produce growth, we need to be t- giving the Word of God. Folk, building our body here, helping, helping the teens to grow, helping to reach out with the gospel. It's not by crafty methods. It's not by tricky things that we could do. Oh, is it possible that if we all of a sudden wanted, for just number's sake, could we do some ministries that would bring them in, bring them in, bring them in by the crafty creative imaginations of creating titillating sensations for individuals who come to get their ears tickled. And by the way, if we do it, they will, they will come. Okay? And that's the problem that he writes. And he says a lot of people are starting to come just to get their ears tickled. Could we do that? Yeah. Am I tempted to do that? Yeah. Yeah. From a human point of view. To say, yeah, yeah, okay, you know, worried about, you know, making sure that we maintain, you know, budgets and numbers and all that. We, we just got to, let, let's just get people in the door. There is that American temptation to just produce numbers and to look productive. And that's a natural innate temptation. And maybe I'm a lousy, lousy, lousy minister of the gospel, but that's my human temptation. Because uh, it, it, it increases when people come up and say, you know, let's, uh, what do we do to see more people come? See more people. It's like, oh, well, you know, here's what we could do. It's got to be the Word of God. I've got to remind ourse- myself, it isn't cleverness. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Just teach the Word of God. Teach the Word of God. Just Preach the word of God. Just preach, preach, preach the word, the word, the word, the, the word, and just teach the word. Teach the word. You do whatever we can to get more of the word of God into our lives. Okay? So whatever we do, wherever we go with some type of, okay, I'm going to use the word generically. Whatever we do with some type of process or program or ministry, it's got to be the truth. We've got to get the word out. Get the word out. Get the word out. Not entertainment. Not foods. Yeah, you know, not, not, and there's nothing wrong with foods and nothing wrong with having a good laugh, but we've got to be giving out the Word of God. 
And so the key is this is our spiritual nourishment. But we've got to speak it in truth. Speaking the truth in love is edifying one another. There are times in edifying one another that we have to do such things as showing that compassion. We have to do such things as contributing. We have to correct one another. Is that not true? If you love your children, do you not correct them at times? Yes or no? Yes, that's family. That's growth. Okay? There's counseling. There's the idea of comforting one another. There's the idea of cooperating with, every, with one another. And so we, around the Word of God, how do we speak this Word of God? And how do we help? And how do we contribute more and more and more and more? And so with that in mind, we've had to step back. I've stepped back and saying, okay, what is my job? What is my primary job? And I, and I believe this. I've shared this with you multiple times over the years. I believe my primary job is to help facilitate your growth. And that's going to be done by basically giving the word, giving the word, giving the word, and that is training. But the idea is training you to help do the work of the ministry. As part of the body, I'm supposed to be helping to see the body grow. But as the shepherd, the teacher, I'm supposed to be doing training training, training, preparing you to do work of ministry. And that involves, in this mind, this idea is training you. That involves is not getting so caught up in the ministry that I do it my, the, the work myself and don't engage others. That's part of training. It is easy. It is easy to, to it is easy at home. Tell me if it's not true. Is it easier to teach your kids to clean the house or you do the cleaning and get it done? It's easier to do it. But do you hurt your kids in the long run by not teaching them how to do some of those practical life skills? Yes or no? Do you hurt them? Yes. It is, it is always easier to just do things yourself rather than train. But this passage says that in this organic entity, family involvement, my primary job, staff's primary job, is to do everything we can to train and get you involved in doing ministry. And so, but, but, but the problem is, we can't just throw somebody in the swimming pool and say, swim. Oh, you got saved. You got saved. You got baptized. Last week, we've got a Sunday school class for you. We can't do that. We can't do that. Oh, you've got such a wonderful testimony. You've got a testimony of really coming out of drugs, and that'll so, that'll so impact people. I know you got saved last week. You got baptized on Sunday. We're going to now have you stand up, and you're going to teach a Sunday school class of adults for the next quarter. You can't do that. Okay. By the way, do those things ever happen? Yes. Because we're, doing, we're focused sometimes on drama and dynamics and dramatics rather than content. And so we're supposed to be doing training. This is really, really convicting. We're supposed to entrust more and more and more of you to do the discipling of others. We're supposed to encourage you to help build each other up. We're supposed to provide, and this is really critical to where we're going, that we're supposed to provide you truth-based materials so you can train somebody how do you train somebody in some areas where they have questions and you say, what, what do we have for tools? What do, you have, what do I have for a Bible study that can help me so I can help her? Okay. Do you have stuff on family? Do you have stuff on prayer? Do you have stuff on budgeting and finances? And so give me some truth-based materials that I can rely upon and I can use. And so we're supposed to do what we can. And this is where we're going to make some adjustments here in, within our ministries is we're, ma- we're supposed to maintain a culture of disciple-making 
uh, focus. And that, keep this in front of people. Keep it, your job is to make disciples, make disciples, make disciples. We need to speak on it more. We need to preach on it more frequently. We need to be reminding you of it. And so that's where we're going. That's what we want to be doing. We've seen good growth over the years. Many of you are well-grounded, extremely well-grounded. Some of you have been making disciples, investing in lives, and seeing somebody that you work with, your, your friend, your relative, and you've talked with them, sat down, built up a redemptive relationship where you're, you're sharing the word and sharing the word, and you're trying to help them, and you're growing. One of my daughters was just sharing with us yesterday that they've reached out to a couple that uh, they came in contact with and determined that they were going to build up a redemptive relationship. That is, we're going to become friends with this couple who have no clue about the Bible, have no background whatsoever about the Bible, and so we're going to just show interest in them. We're going to befriend them. And over the last few months, they've been befriending. They've helped out. They've got together for play dates. They've done different things like that with the prayer and the hope that they may be able to share their faith in Christ. And as the last few weeks have been happening, after a few months of that, interest in that showing and that compassion of Christ that's been shown, all of a sudden this couple have been asking questions. In fact, they found out yesterday that this couple has been listening to their services on the web, online. They never knew that that couple, they, they just asked what church you go to, and that couple, impacted by their, in, their involvement and friendship towards them, is saying there's something different about that couple. Uh, what church do they go to? And they've been listening online to the services being exposed to the word. Uh, this couple that they befriended, all of a sudden they've gone through some real, real, real difficulties uh, physically. And so uh, my daughter and her husband, they took meals over to them, and they said, why would you take meals? Whoever brings meals to somebody, do you do realize that in a lot of circles that doesn't happen? It's common. It's kind of common here, you know, but... And that has made such an impression that couple was going to go to church with them openly this morning. And they wanted, they said, we, you've got something. They were told yesterday, you've got something that we don't have. And we want to know more about it. That's a redemptive relationship. It was investing of time and energy. And some of you have been doing that. And some of you have been won by that type of somebody showing interest and having. But most of us have to admit, I have limited my disciple making, my witnessing to ministries that we do here. Church, you provide me contacts. My neighbors I've never talked to. My coworkers I don't talk to. But, but I'm going to be involved where it's something where the church provides all the opportunities for me to share the gospel. And yet God has placed you in a neighborhood. God has placed you in an environment. God has placed you in a social context. God might even place you in a medical situation where you are a missionary. And you are to be working to make disciples. We need to remind ourselves more and more of that. So what do we do for trying to improve on disciple-making and mentoring and you getting involved with helping individuals? We can improve, and I know this is an area that we've got to improve on. We can improve on better training the new converts that we have and just systematically training them, material-wise training. And some of you have done a wonderful job, but we need to make a more concerted effort to training those who get born again. And, and, and how do we do that? And by the way, we're, we're in competition. We're in competition, New Believer's Life. You, again, you may not like this, but this is a reality of, of our most families, two people working in the home. Is that true? 
husband and wife's both working. Was that the way it was 40, 50 years ago? No, no. By both working, does that create more competition for time? It does. It does. How do we do that? How do we address that? How can we, how can we spend some time discipling somebody when there's busyness? And in our culture, our parents told to keep their kids involved with lots of stuff. Yes or no? They are. They are. What do we do? How do we address this? Do I just say all this and make you feel more guilty? To throw one more thing on your plate? Or you go and say to a friend, Hey, I want to disciple you. You should come to church with me. I go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesdays. What will most people respond to that one? What's that? I'm working and you're nuts. Okay? Because you go so often. I, don't you understand why they would think that? That's just abnormal. Okay? And you say, well, let's just give it to them. Okay, and, and you should come to church with me Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and we'll do another night of the week for Bible study. And the mom says, I need time with my family. And you respond and say, what's more important, your soul or your kids? <laughs> By the way, we've had people say that at the door, on door-to-door calling. One parent said one time, I can't talk right now, my kids are in the bathtub. And the person at the door said, what's more important, your soul or your children in the bathtub? Parent, 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 if that were you inside that house and somebody said that to you, what would you do? Oh, they said a few choice words and then slammed the door. And we got a phone call about it. And I fully agree with that mother at that moment, right? So what do we do? How do we train? So we can and should make disciple-making a major focus of our emphasis, of our ministries, and so we're making some intentional shifts. We're not changing. We're not dropping ministries. But what we want to do is we want to adjust some of our ministries to help, to help provide opportunities for you, provide materials for you, provide direction for you (coughs) to help make other disciples and be do it with... I'm going to jump past my illustration. Let's get into the materials. And so what we want to do, we want to help connect you within the body. To, uh, we have people who come in, people who say, you know, I love the church, I love, you know, the people are very, very nice, but I, 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 is there some way to connect one-on-one with some people, or one-on-two, or one-on-three? And so we want to do that. We want to try to make that opportunity more readily available where there can be a mentoring, there can be accountability. I know some people don't like that word, but is it a concept of people who are struggling having somebody help and come beside. It's a biblical concept. It's a biblical concept. that Even that concept, you know, confessing your faults. If I am struggling with somebody, something, to be able to go to another brother in the Lord and say, hey, Lou, I'm really battling right now, okay? I'm really struggling with, with some, something. Can you pray with me? Can you help me? That, that, that's a biblical concept, Okay, so that accountability, the same for young believers, older believers. And by the way, when do you mature well enough that you don't need somebody to be praying for you? When do you know so much Bible that you don't need any more teaching? Okay, I'm, I'm learning this much more and more now in my life, and maybe this is just me, but more and more in my life, I'm realizing how much Scripture I don't know. I just, as I study it more and more, it's just like, I don't understand some of this stuff. I, this is... This is really in-depth. And I'm going to tell you, the, the, the one book that I've never studied before is in-depth, but it is throwing me for a loop, is the book of Job. 
Job is a tough, tough book. But it's there. All Scripture is given. The way inspiration is profitable. So we want to better enable disciples here to reproduce themselves. And so we're not going to all of a sudden just say, okay, this is it. Put this badge on. You put it on, and now you're a disciple maker. No, no. This isn't a program. This is a lifestyle. Several months ago, we had this where uh, Pastor Art was presenting some of these thoughts for the very first time just to get it out there, to start building upon. And we talked about, we have more of this material. uh, By the way, Pastor Art's spearheading a lot of this ministry focus. So if you have questions, you can uh, ask him if you ask me, and then he and I can talk about it. Uh, I'll let him do the upfront answering because if you ask about the technicals and the practicals, I might say something and then he might say something. So let's just load it on him and he and I can then work it through. Um, but this whole idea of let's focus on one individual. Let's, let's start targeting, intentionally targeting to give out the gospel, to disciple, to befriend, to hold accountable. It's the idea of one, one, one to one. One person to one person. Okay, that's the basic concept. Do we understand we might be doing two people to discipling one? Yeah, sure. But it's just a phraseology. In fact, when uh, he spoke on this back in February, he said, okay, so we're introducing some type of concept to help you to think about it. And he gave you this week, work on this. Work on praying. Praying for an individual, for a redemptive relationship. Consider thinking through somebody that doesn't know the Lord. Somebody that you could befriend, that you could make as, a, as an effort to try to be able to disciple that individual. Take a tract or two. Use those, you know, when you're out this evening, it was, you know, be, there's, create opportunities to give out the gospel by saying, okay, I'm going to be praying for, I'm going to really focus on this coworker that I've had some conversations with. I'm going to continue to try to have conversations. And in the meantime, I don't give out any gospel to anybody else. That's not, that's not the way Jesus did it. So, you know, you, you've got to have a balance there. So what we want to do is we want to say, okay, what, what, uh, this is my goal anyway, to encourage, equip, and entrust you so that you are more competent, comfortable in order to give the gospel out, disciple people who are lost, people who are babes in the Lord, people, whatever God has brought in your path today, last week, next month, next year, this is my goal, to try to do a better job in this area based on Ephesians. And what we want to do is provide materials for you to use. That so you can say, hey, here's some, here's some uh, literature, here's a Bible study book you can use, and, and go on that path. And so what we have is we've um, contacted some other churches, and there's a whole brochure that lists this out, okay, that's going to be, so, as I understand, printed with our own name and everything on it. And it's basically, it takes and says, okay, let's begin. And it's a, it's a designed process that says, here's a direction we can take somebody that we're trying to disciple. Let's start, we're at the beginning, giving basic doctrinal information. Then let's uh, help them understand a little bit more deeper what it means as far as the church body. Let's talk about some areas, and let me see if I can get this closer up. Uh, your everyday growth, your devotions, a whole section on prayer, a whole section on how to read the Bible and certain ways to get more out of it. Uh, what about you? you sharing the Bible and sharing it with others and uh, discipling individuals. And so it's different levels. So we start with basic material and then build up, build up, build up. And the goal of this is to have materials in a library, have materials in print that you can use, that you could get together. Instead of just sitting down and just doing things kind of shotgun, you can have a focused 
uh, process that here. We're going to be targeting, targeting, and have a, a growth process. Oh, by the way, you're, you're discipling somebody. You sit down with a couple who's a neighbor, and you've taken them through some of the first material. But they say to you, listen, I am really struggling. We have a lot of financial problems. Well, some of the financial materials in the latter, latter levels, fine, take that material, bring it back to this level, and help them where they're at. Make it more pointed, more individualistic, but we have tools that we can say, hey, listen, here's some materials that you can use, and there will be a library dedicated to this that you can use and help out. So what we did is, over the last two years, we've had staff going to seminars. Uh, the, the rest of the staff went, they all went. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were gone for several, for a couple of days, and they were at this seminar that was done with some of this material, and several of them were exposed for the first time to some of the thought and some of the materials. And so one of the areas that, in my mind, I'm convinced where we start is this, and this leads to where we're going to be going. It says in Hebrews chapter 5, He's writing to that group and he says, about this, we have much to say, it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you ought to be mentoring others, you need someone to teach you some of the basic principles from the oracles of God. You need milk. And so what he's doing in this text is the author is writing to the Hebrews and saying, you need to back up and you need to start with the basics. Let's back up. If we're, if we're going to go this direction, then let's everybody back up. Let's lay a foundation. Some of you have already know it, but we're going to back up and we're going to do the foundation. We're going to start this whole process and take, take you through. And so with that in mind, it's to me, it seems that a place for us to start with this passage in mind is realizing that believers are supposed to be teaching believers. Biblical concept reminded here. But sometimes believers can become spiritually lethargic. That includes me and includes you. That sometimes we can just say, okay, we'll let others do the work, and we're not teaching, we're not learning more ourselves, we're not challenging ourselves more. Want to remember where it says that one reach one, pray for one, take one, is you keep on growing and taking some materials and growing and taking some Bible study yourself. And so we're, when we're supposed to be learning more, sometimes we just get complacent. Sometimes we just get busy with life. Sometimes we, we, we are just, you know, pumping things out. But, so what are we going to do? It was God's methods with the Hebrews to have the believers who once chewed on meaty truths to go back and review the basic truths the basic incentives of Scripture. So based on this principle from this passage, here's some of what we want to do. We want to implement this with something practical. We're going to start over the next few weeks for the teens through all the adults who come to this Bible study on Sunday mornings. We're going to back up and we're going to do basic Bible study. We're going to go through materials that are called foundations. They are books that are available. We even have some in the library. Otherwise, we're going to be giving handouts on a weekly basis. And the goal of this is just to make sure we're all grounded and all have a basic Bible knowledge to answer some of the most pertinent and some of the simple questions. Some of you are thinking right now, that's too simplistic, I'm more mature. Okay, great. That's wonderful. I'm glad for you. But have you ever found that sometimes when a message is preached on simple salvation, it stirs your heart, even though you've been saved? Does it ever help you sometimes to just be reminded of some basic Bible truth? And more importantly, our goal is this. We want to make sure we're all on the same page 
And the goal is to train you to teach this material. You can't teach this material unless you, first of all, you got to learn it. you got to study it. So we're backing everybody up. Staff everybody. We're all backing up to the same spot. And we're saying, let's just for the next few months, we're going to do this. We're going to break up into different classes. And we're going to go through materials that are very basic. So that you can repeat this to others. So that you have answers. So we're going to do that in the teen and adult Bible study. With laying groundwork to prepare you to teach. After we all go through this, then we're going to do a second round of those of you who are serious about being involved in making disciples. We're going to go through this material a second time with those of you who say, I, I, I want to be involved this way. And what we'll do is we'll break Jim up with maybe these two guys, with Bob and Leon. The three of them will form their own Bible study group during Sunday school instead of another night of the week. But their Sunday school would be, we're going to teach each other and go through this more in depth. What does that do for the three of them? Iron sharpening iron. They can bring up questions that they've had friends bring up. Right? And they can help each other come up with biblical answers with the idea that we're going to learn this so we can do what? Teach it. So basically what that is, it's a role-playing. So you are just in a small group. By the way, when they get together during that Sunday school time, which doesn't add another pressure of another night okay, for this Bible study, what they can do is they can not only get together and study. Okay, and by the way, it's not a gab time. The design is not for you to get together and sit there and visit for that time. It's for you to study. Or to pray. Pray for you've got somebody you're concerned about. You've got somebody you're concerned about. You've got somebody you're concerned about. The three of them praying together. And as they pray together, all of a sudden he becomes more interested in who he's interested in. He's praying more fervently. He's praying. And we've increased the amount of prayer support to trying to get out the gospel. Because where two or three are gathered, okay, Okay, now we're, we're increasing that aspect. We're increasing the teaching uh, aspect. We're trying to increase your confidence. We're also creating a bond between those three individuals or two individuals or four individuals that they can hold each other accountable. And it develops disciple-making within themselves. But they're not just thinking it's we three and nobody else. If anybody in this group starts thinking, I want just us, and we're not reaching out. <clears throat> You've missed the point. This isn't about us being selfish. It's about us reaching the world. And so well, that's the goal of it. Small, become accountability, small groups will work together, praying for, reaching out. They will be cold disciples. So, so in the course of this, you get a buddy to come with you to church. What might the three of you do? He says he wants to study the Bible. The three of you might sit down and study with him together. Now he's got a connection with three people. Okay? Instead of just coming and walking, I'm, I'm sorry, you people are wonderful. You are gracious. You are friendly. But let's, let's admit, to make real connections, we need to do more of that individual contact. And so with that, this is the idea of let's building long-term relationships. 
Okay, and we're going to encourage you to do that. We'll have a meeting place. We're going to make this opportunity available. Say Wednesday nights. You have somebody that you are discipling. They will come and do a Bible study with you. You say, okay, another night of the week. Why don't we just do it here? We'll create a room. We'll have it. There'll be a space for you three guys to get together, do your Bible study with somebody else. And in the meantime, the kids are taken care of. And if they have a family, what, what, is, what about their kids? Their kids are in a ministry. It's not, and in the long run, if they sit and do a Bible study with you for three months on a Wednesday night, what habit have they created? Coming to church on Wednesday night. And it's very convenient then. And so the idea is to help you with your schedule, to help with reaching out. Can we do this? And this is a major change for me. Is it okay that while I'm preaching on a Sunday night that you might be doing a Bible study in the family center with somebody who's lost? Is that a... You need to be in this room under my preaching. Lou, you can't... You got to be here under my preaching. Wait a minute. Who's supposed to be doing the work of the ministry? Okay. So if I say, Lou, go do some of the work in the ministry in the family center, disciple somebody while we're holding Sunday evening service, is he doing the work of the ministry? Okay. And so is that wrong? It's different. It's different for us. It's a challenge for us. And when we do those rooms where it's created, and if some of you say we've got a bunch and there's like 20 of us sitting, we're doing it with like 20 other people, we'll provide one of the staff that's going to be roving in that room to answer some of the questions that are a little bit more difficult. Okay, and so we're going to, and we're going to offer ongoing classes through the institute, through other, through Sunday school to help you to be able to keep on going, keep on going. But what about, what about workers in ministry? We already suffer a shortage in nursery. We already suffer a shortage. I don't know the answer to that. This is, some of the practical is going to, uh, this isn't, I'm, I'm going to really, really throw some of you for a loop. Some of this we don't know how it's going to go. It's personal. It's on needs. And some of it, I just know we need to get here. How it's going to flesh out, I don't know. God knows. But I know we need to be doing a focus where we're doing his ministry better than what we... We're doing good. But good isn't enough. We need to do better. How is it going to work out as far as all the resources, books, what titles? Some of you say, I'm not going to be involved unless I can know every author and I can check out every author. Do you realize books are being written all the time? There might be a book on prayer that shows up next week. That's better than some of the stuff we've got. So I don't know. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. We're not going to put heretical books in, the, in this. <laughs> it's supposed to be based on what? Truth and love. Okay? How long will it take for somebody to respond? I don't know. When will we have 20 Bible studies going on during Sunday evening church service where 20 of you are leading 20 people to the Lord through a weekly Bible study? When's that going to happen? I don't know. But I know it's not going to happen if we don't make effort. If we don't try it. If we don't implement it. It's not going to be comfortable because it's a change for some. It's a challenge because you're out of your comfort zone. It's a concentration. Uh, we're going to hear a lot of about more and more. We're going to hear this. It's going to become one of our mantras. I'm going to keep control on some of this. The curriculum. If you're doing a Bible study here through, through us, 
You're following this material. Does everybody hear that? You're following this material. We're responsible to provide you material, make sure it's following the truth. You're following our material. We're not going to have every man doing that which is... Okay, we're going to have a concentrate, know what's being taught. Okay? Um, curriculum materials, cautions, okay? Uh, the training, it could take too long. It's taking too long. I, I know enough. We're still going to be cautious. We're going to everybody go through this process to make sure we're all on the same page. You may say, hey, some of the curriculum, I don't like this financial author, but you're putting it out there. I don't like that you're going to use some different translations. Some of you already don't like that, that we're using you know, King James only in some of our Bible studies because you have people that, that really struggle with that. But we're going to keep that there. We're going to introduce and say, here's some materials that uses. Another translation might be easier for that individual who struggles. By the way, in America, people struggle with reading. Okay, let's get, let's get materials that they can understand. Okay. Um, some of the books, you might look and say, well, I don't know about that author. I'll guarantee you this. We'll make sure that whatever's in that book is on truth. There's some authors that have books out on prayer. I wouldn't use them for anything on church ministry. But man, do they have an excellent book on prayer. Okay. Um, my library's filled with counseling by some people like James Dobson. I don't agree with all of his theology, but he has some good stuff when it comes to that area. So we're going to be, we're going to be weeding it through, going through that materials. That's basically where we're going. If you have any questions, see Art. <laughs> Let's get ready for worship.